0: I'm Evan Dane.
1: And I'm Cooper Sullivan.
0: And you're listening to this week's News Dispatch from the Old Golden Black.
1: Evan and I sit down with Jackson Butler and Pilar Agadello, two senators in student government who are both co-sponsors of the recent SR4 legislation. This legislation passed on October 12th, meaning that the student government is now co-sponsoring President Wente's campus climate survey about sexual misconduct. Butler and Agadello tell us more about the survey and what it's aimed to accomplish.
0: Uh, I'm Jackson Butler, and I'm a sophomore.
2: My name is Pilar Agudelo, and I'm a junior.
0: Could you briefly tell us what the climate survey is about, specifically this one, because there are different types, and a little bit about the background behind this legislation.
2: Yeah, so campus climate surveys um, are usually a medium for universities to kind of look at the institutional structures that are in place. Um, and how they relate to the campus climate. So this one is a little more related to sexual misconduct on campus. Um, And usually they're very centered to each university, so they're an opportunity for a university to look specifically at their own climate and how that impacts a certain issue. So like I said, this one is sexual misconduct focused. um, And so what that means is that the questions will be geared more towards that subject and kind of looking at the prevalence of it on campus as well as what what resources students are using on campus.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And then just to add a little bit onto that. So typically, campus climate surveys are done over a period of a few years. So I think the plan right now for this one is about four years. So there's going to be, I think, one every two or three years um, to kind of get a pulse of the current campus environment to see if it's changing. Um, and most importantly, what this survey does is it will tell us a few things. And I've actually quoted it from the report um, that the Women's Center did regarding um the need for this type of survey so what they say is um, this type of survey will provide a more accurate summary of the prevalence and characteristics of sexual misconduct on in the wake forest community it'll determine the level of community awareness of support reporting resources on campus as well as barriers to access it'll identify unique risk and protective factors within the wake forest community the ultimate goal is creating a consistent response looking at the data and seeing how we can make this campus safer and more inclusive for everybody here
1: so why now, why was the campus climate survey just kind of like pushed forward this year in 2021? Yeah.
0: There's been a history of sexual assault yes. on campus and uh, what what information does this, this report set aside that we don't know
3: already? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the biggest things that's changed this year is first and foremost, the change in university leadership, that is huge. Um, aside from that, you know, un- student government passed in 2019 a resolution um, asking for a campus climate survey. Um, And, you know, that that was never really followed up, um, which is frustrating, and um, I think um, our current president, Ali, has done a really great job of trying to keep those issues front and center. And this year, um, pretty interestingly, um, President Wentz has been asking for a campus climate survey for a while, and so getting student support behind it, I think, has been really, really helpful in making sure that we get that, because ultimately, student voice is what's most important.
0: So who ultimately decides whether or not this gets created and distributed?
3: Yeah, so this is actually going out of the president's office. So okay. President Wente is in charge of getting all this done, and um, she's been committed, um, administration's been committed. Um, ever since this has passed, they've, they've, they've been committed to, to allowing this to happen. Um, so for, for as of right now, what we know is that the money has been allocated and it's been approved. So it, the survey will be occurring um, sometime within the, next, um, the end of this year. Okay.
1: So in what way is a student government going to be involved in this process since it's coming straight from the president's office?
2: So there are three parts to student government's involvement. It's in um, determining like style of the survey, the implementation of it, and then the analysis of it. So basically what that looks like is like we're in conversations with administrators about what like third party vendor they are going to be using, then in the creation of questions that are going to be included. So there's a set of questions that can be like selected from like kind of like a bank of questions. And there's opportunity to create our own questions as well um, in a limited capacity because they like to keep it kind of uniform so they can use it to compare to other data that already exists. But that kind of allows us to gear this survey to students needs and wants. And then the implementation process is through like promotion, um, leveraging our influence on campus to kind of encourage students to take the survey as well as to support students taking the survey. Um, so that's kind of twofold. That means, like, yes, we want to encourage people, but we also want people to take care of themselves. Obviously, taking the survey will be a heavy thing for a lot of people because it is around sexual misconduct. And so making sure that people are supported in taking that survey. And then finally, the analysis part is, like, once we get all the data back, what are we going to do with it? And making sure that there is follow up making sure that there is policy changes around that survey and stuff and kind of elevating the student voice throughout that process.
0: Right. Um, how will the survey address intersectionality in any way, or or will it? Is there is there some elements like that in it?
3: I mean, I can just speak a little bit to that. So again, the survey is in obviously the very beginning stages, and we haven't even picked an outside firm to do it yet. But I think the great thing about this resolution is that it allows us to be in the room and help to make these kinds of decisions. And I think for both Pilar and I, that's something that's really important to the both of us, uh, making sure that everybody's voice is heard and everybody feels as though they can give a little bit of feedback in this survey. Um, and so, with this resolution that we passed, it gives us the ability to be in those conversations, be in those rooms, and say, hey, you know, I don't know if this sort of thing would have happened if, you know, Pilar and I or any other member of student government were to be present in these sorts of conversations. So, that was a great question, and that's definitely something we'll make sure to note once we're um, looking at the development of the survey.
1: What do you guys hope the survey will accomplish in terms of meaningful and actual tangible change around campus?
2: I would say for me, the most important thing is once the data is there and there's substantial data there, it can't be ignored anymore. At a lot of universities that don't have campus climate surveys, it's really easy to say, well, we don't have the proof. And we can't say that this is happening because we don't have the proof. Once we have the proof and we have the survey, then we can say, well, you can't ignore this anymore because now it's on you to make a change on the university. So my hope is that with this data and with this like statistical analysis that comes with it um, and the like elevation of conversations that would come by putting the survey out there, that the policies will change. And I don't know exactly what that looks like because that is dependent on what the survey shows, but the goal is that it would ultimately help create change on campus that is really around sexual misconduct and the Title IX policies in place and how we can really support survivors.
0: Well, is there anything else you would like to add to this before we leave off? Yeah,
3: I think before we head out, the one thing is that this survey is not going to work unless we get above a 30% um, response rate. So the thing I'm going to ask your listeners is to be cognizant of the fact that these conversations are occurring and this survey will be going out. And I think we saw that this is something a lot of university members and members of our community are really yearning for is some sort of conversations and some sort of response from the university around these sorts of issues. And... I feel as though this is a great start, Um, and the only way that we are going to be able to make progress is if people take the survey. And I know a lot of times your email gets filled up and you don't have time, and some of the surveys, you know, I'm guilty of this too, Uh, sometimes you forget to take the survey. But this one is really important, it's been something that's been in the works for over three or four years now. So I'd really appreciate it if we could get as many of you all to take the survey as possible.
0: This week, the University Counseling Center announced a major restructuring and a shift in therapy methods. Explain more in this article by Assistant News Editor Emily Toro. At Wake Forest,
1: many turned their attention to an October 11th Instagram post by the University Counseling Center, detailing changes that will become effective November 1st. UCC Director Dr. Warrenetta Mann outlined the concept behind the restructured model and envisions it as a more effective approach to care.
0: We are focusing on anticipating the most salient needs of our students and addressing those through groups, workshops, and brief targeted individuals' therapy, Mann said. This model will allow more students to get what they need in a timely manner. Students will continue to receive the support they need to grow and develop through whatever challenges they encounter.
1: Student reception has been mixed. Sophomore and psychology major Michaela Shambron said, A lot of people cannot afford outside therapy as their insurance does not cover it. Or because it simply is not accessible due to the fact that mental health services are in such high demand right now. This change is leaving countless individuals on this campus bereft of care. I believe a comprehensive therapy approach involves establishing a rapport with the client or patient, which is just not achievable in one or a few which is just not achievable in one or a few interventions.
0: It remains to be seen whether or not the change will have a positive impact on the campus community.
1: The role of college counseling is to support students to be able to meet their educational goals and to learn skills for managing their mental health for a lifetime of success, Mann said. Our future is to continue to do that for generations to come.
0: Recent controversial remarks from North Carolina's Lieutenant Governor are the subject of this opinion piece by Meredith Prince.
4: My name is Meredith Prince, and today I'm going to be talking about my recent opinion piece titled Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, a blatant homophobe should not be in a position of power. I was inclined to write this piece after a video from June 2021 of North Carolina's Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson resurfaced on Twitter after the group Right Wing Watch shared a clip of one of his speeches. He expressed the following. There's no reason anybody anywhere in America should be telling any child about transgenderism, homosexuality, any of that filth. And yes, I called it filth. If you don't like it that I called it filth, come see me and I'll explain it to you. He continued his claim by stating that Christians must take control of public schools because the teaching of this filth abuses children. In my article, I expressed that there are no words to describe how disturbing, hateful, and straight-up wrong these claims are. And even after facing widespread backlash, Robinson refused to apologize or back down from these degrading comments. And he even shared on his Facebook page that homosexuality is still an abominable sin and he will not join in celebrating gay pride. I found this topic extremely important to write about especially knowing that Robinson holds the second-highest office in the state and that he was to seed Governor Roy Cooper if he was unable to serve as governor. I personally feel as though our society has made a lot of progress towards reaching equality for the LGBTQ plus community, and although we still have a lot of work to do, schools are beginning to expand their LGBTQ plus education and inclusiveness, which is a step in the right direction. I argued in my piece that Robinson represents a form of backwards progression in society where he is attempting to erase the progress and steps we have taken to begin to allow equality for everyone. And I'm a passionate believer that there is no room for hate in any nation, state, local community, or campus, and anyone who outwardly expresses such hate with no remorse should have no place in a position of power. I think it's our job as a society to protect LGBTQ plus community members and to be active allies. But by failing to acknowledge how hateful Robinson is and failing to push him out of power, we fail as allies. One topic in the article that I briefly mentioned was Robinson's claim that Christians must take control of public education, which is a direct violation of citizens' basic First Amendment right to freedom of religion. Robinson is utilizing Christianity to pursue a hateful, homophobic agenda, which I think can create a false narrative of Christians as a whole. I respect Christians and Christianity, but in Robinson's case, using their religion to justify hate speech is extremely morally and politically incorrect. Overall, it wasn't difficult for me to construct this piece, as I was immediately filled with anger and strong opinions and emotions after hearing Robinson's speech. I think this is something that we all need to focus on and care about. I closed my article by stating that we must sign petitions, call the North Carolina government office, and inform your friends of the divisive and hateful agenda that Robinson is pursuing. By standing by and allowing Robinson to remain in power with no pushback, we are failing the LGBTQ plus community, and it is our job to continue to fight for them and to fight to push Robinson out of power.
1: Before we begin, I just want to say that I very much agree with what Meredith wrote and I don't have much more else to add without just emphasizing other points that she already wrote in her article. But the main point that I would like to add is that this sadly will not hurt his political career. We've seen this case with other politicians um, who say other disgusting things whether it be about uh, sexual orientation or just blatant racism but the sad truth is he's not the only one in the state of North Carolina who believes this. And it's going to reflect in 2022 or 2024 whenever he's up for re-election.
0: No, and it's not like this was completely unknown before he got elected. He had a history of making some uh, remarks involving far-right conspiratorial views. And maybe this is just more indicative of, of the personality, the the cult of personality way that politics seems to be going, where it, the more inflammatory you can get, the more you can kind of uh, get a following of people who are also, who also believe that, but also look up to you as uh, some kind of, of leader, of some kind of person who's, who's speaking a truth that you feel goes against your conception of the United States of America.
1: Did you know that the Old Golden Black recently launched a sports podcast? Each week, our hosts begin with a recap of the previous week and a preview of the week ahead, highlighting all the action across all Demon Deacon teams. Afterwards, they sit down for an interview with a special guest, either a player or one of the team's coaches or trainers. In the show's inaugural episode, wide receiver Donald Stewart joined the show to discuss the football team's historic start to the 2021 season, and what it will take for the Demon Deacons to secure their first ACC championship since 2006. The Old Golden Black Sports Podcast is housed under the same channel as the News Dispatch Podcast. You can find it on Spotify by searching for the Old Golden in your ears. And for the News Dispatch Podcast, we thank you guys for listening. See you next week.